Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. You're about to go on a journey of empathy, understanding and transformation. Get ready to dive into the heart of humanity's most pressing questions with me, Rebecca Hemmings, the CEO of Strawberry Words Training Consultancy and guests. It's time to turn up the volume on kindness and to amplify the voices of minorities that often go unheard. This podcast asks questions like, how can we create workplaces where ethnic minorities thrive without the chains of career stagnation? What if universities were safe havens for all, free from the storm of microaggressions? And how can we bridge the gaps between cultures that have been divided by the walls of bias and ignorance? This is not just a podcast. This is a revolution of empathy. Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. Get ready to explore, learn and change the world one compassionate conversation at a time. Okay, so welcome. Um, Yes, it's me again, Rebecca Hemmings, the director of Strawberry Words, and I'm interviewing Catherine Hankey from uh, Direct Personal Management, DPM. I know as DPM. (laughs) And before I bring you in, I'm just going to give you the big up. So what it is, what DPM is, Direct Personal Management, it was established in 1985 and it's a cooperative acting agency for professional actors. And so we met um, because earlier this we had a project um, and we were really wanting to just to educate organizations within the creative sector. We were working with um, the organization Sign at the time, um, Screen Industries Growth Network. That's it. We're working with them to find organizations to help educate them around anti-racism and diversity. And so Catherine, um, you know, was put in touch with us and we just kind of hit it off. And um, quite a few of the agency members took part um, or took uh, courses were on the crafting compassionate cultures hub the test and all sorts and I just I think through our conversations because oh, let me just say hello hello sorry hello <laughs> come in <laughs> say hi no it's good I was loving the intro it was it was involved it was well researched excellent well, thank you Thank you. Thank you. And hello and welcome. Now, I guess what I, I'm passionate because you're passionate. And I think that's why we connected when we we'd had um, a post, um, I guess, project briefing. And it was through that that I realized, wow, not realized because I know that what we do is useful. But to hear the passion with which you spoke about what we do, that, you know, that yeah, it was it was um, really touching to hear. And I'm not we're not here talking about bigging up strawberry words. That's not what this interview is about. I really wanted to get some more insight into the work that you do, but also mm-hmm. touching on how you've navigated or how the organization or the agency has navigated some of the trickier issues. So if you can just start by talking about, I, I've given a brief introduction to direct, per, I want to call it DPM from now on, now on, but if you're listening, what DPM stands for is direct <laughs> personal management. Okay. So if you can just give us some, some more insight into DPM and your role in it. Yeah. Well, we're an actors, we're a cooperative actors agency. Um, and we're in Leeds. I believe, I think we're the only one in Leeds. There are quite a few cooperative actors agencies up north, one in Manchester, a few in Halifax and different places, Elland. So um, yeah, what we do is we give actors the chance to 
um, go down a non-commercial route for representation. So if you have a commercial agent, you will have somebody who organizes all your work and mostly that takes place in a sort of company environment and you feed in as and when you're able to. Mm. Um, with a cooperative, uh, everybody takes charge um, for a few days a month in the office and we manage each other, which means that you don't go up for any job that you haven't first approved. So it kind of gives you total oh. control over your career. Right. Um, and so, so most, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Most, most members you find will be slightly older um, because as people start having families, as they start having, um, you know, kind of as they start wanting sort of to steer their own careers and to not feel that that is impossible to do with other life commitments. I right. Think. Really so so does that work on the other side of the spectrum do you also get a lot of young people who are doing it who don't have many responsibilities I think we have so we have a couple of young members it kind of goes in fits and starts but I do think it's a niche I think people have to know the industry mm. before we can really be useful to them and that does mean that sometimes it's difficult to take on very fresh graduates and I think that's only fair to them and most mm. of the time I'm kind of in favour of almost giving them too much information, which sometimes puts them off because mm. I think it's a really difficult industry to navigate. Mm. And because everybody in the cooperative agency also has their own career and mm. often everybody else's that they're supporting, we do take um, part in mentorship and we give each member training. But it's we can't give you the extra that you'll get from a couple of years in the industry, knowing what it's like. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm always interested in pathways. You know, when we're talking about bringing on board, you know, di diverse groups of people, ethnic minorities and so on, who may not have necessarily had certain types of experiences. So I guess that's mm -hmm. what's going through my brain yeah. at the moment. You know, if you're new and, you know, cause there are a lot of young people, particularly young people, but not just young people who are interested in acting, who developing acting careers. You know, I, I, and I think this is another reason we connected because that's my background. You know, when I first left university, I studied theater. That's what I wanted to do. I was going for the TV interviews, but then I quickly realized, whoa, this is hard. <laughs> and I, you know, then that I started to create my own work. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm always interested in how do people break into areas that for others, it might be a bit easier because they might know somebody who's been a part of the organization or, or like you say, they might already know the industry. So I, yeah, so I guess, could you speak to that? Yeah, definitely. And we have taken on members in the past. We've had members who've come straight from doing community shows where, mm. you know, members of um, a youth theatre or people who are approached about being a part of. Uh, there was someone that came to us through Leeds Playhouse scheme where they put on a show and then one of our members saw them and approached them. So it's not exclusive. I think what's important is to care about that. The, the big thing for me that is the central DPM and why I believe in co cooperative agencies in particular is it's the care aspect of it. Mm. And I think for young people who have no idea about the industry, they do need the steer and guidance of peer support. Absolutely that. Mm. But also um, it, they sometimes can feel overwhelmed mm. by the workload invo involved in a cooperative when you've, run your own business or for me I started in sketch comedy so mm. you know I ran a sketch troupe we 
produced, devised, and toured all our own shows. Like when you've done that, it's a very normal thing to get 35 or 40 emails a day. And yeah, plan your- I hear what you're saying. I hear you. <laughs> so, so, so I- think, yeah, that's, that's what I was meaning. I think it works best mm. when someone, when somebody is highly motivated and efficient. Mm. And then what you get from a cooperative is really is that peer support, is the knowledge and the experience that everyone else has and yeah. the kind of learning pool because everybody pours into it and every member wants to help others. They want yeah. to give that experience. I, I, I want it not to be used again. Yeah, I, I hear you now. And, and you know, again, because I always got the feelers out. I'm always trying to make those connections. <laughs> right. And so and, and again, I'm always trying to find those pathways. So I'm yeah. thinking because, again, there are a lot of people, particularly ethnic minorities who have run their companies because they felt they couldn't be a part of some of the, you know, the the theatre companies or whatever or television or against tele TV or whatever, who may have set up their own um initiatives who may have the experience of running their own organizations um and and might be at the point where they're like oh i can't do this anymore let me go and get a whatever job that's not to do with being <laughs> creative okay um but so th- those type of people might want to approach uh yeah, dpm yeah absolutely. yeah okay and, you know it's it we part of the interview process is it's a dual thing it's about where do you want to go with your career where do you see yourself where would you like to see yourself Mm. and also what skills can you offer and what what do you like to bring to a group because the important thing about a co-op again is is the care aspect it's we're not just a group of business people Mm. sat around making hardball decisions we also go out every month for drinks we see each other we kind of chat we want to be on the end of the phone kind of supporting each other through Mm. the difficult times Mm. Um, and so it's about making sure that people feel yeah that they can bring something that they want to bring to it personally and they Mm. can ask us Mm. what happens socially and 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 they can feel because we're we're wanting to be more than just a business partnership we're wanting to be friends all right, I, I won't go, I'm going to I'm going to kind of get a bit deeper with you now, Catherine, oh, and because because I'm thinking about myself when I was younger, and mm. I'd want to be, or I was a part of, as a part of many different. I'm going to use theatre because theatre was my thing, right? So I'd want to be part of many theatre companies, and they'd do the thing of you know going and having drinks afterwards and whatever. And mm. a few times I would try it. I would go out. I wasn't really a big drinker, but I would actually go in the environment, and because. I was around a lot of people who weren't used to being around someone who looked like me, a black woman. Um, a lot of people didn't know how to start conversations. I was quite a shy person, so I wasn't really the kind of person to initiate, but I would try at times. But I found it really difficult to kind of break in. So it felt like a very uncomfortable environment. Even now, sometimes if people, if I'm in a very strange environment, I'm in a lot more, I'm a lot more confident, but if I'm in a very strange environment and there's an offer to go out to drinks, I'll think twice about it. So, and and I know this is not just an experience that I've had, but also that, but one that is um, that, that many ethnic minorities will be familiar with. There is a kind of, and that's not everybody, I'm not talking about all ethnic minorities, but for, for many, there is this idea that, um, you, you know, you network and you build relationships through socializing, but that can also be a barrier, not only because people don't know what to say, but also because sometimes uh, they're subjected to microaggressions, which can, you know, again, people are a bit, you know, a bit funny about. So so I guess, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, 
you know, I know that obviously yourself and if and a few other quite a few other members have been through our training on microaggressions on um, anti-racism. What considerations or how do you think things might be different as a result of having done the training now coming to think about those types of situations? Um, well, I think, well, first, one thing I want to say after what you just said is I, I just want to extract the word networking from okay. social situations because that is definitely, as an actor, my my um, tingle senses go out <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, it's not networking. Mm. It's like having a pint after a meeting, but it's definitely not networking because I think as an actor, networking terrifies me and most of the people I know because it's all about it's all about the difficult blend of trying to be social, but actually deep down you want a job okay. or you want validation. Yeah, or no, you... take that out. Take, take the, because that wasn't so important. Take that out and yeah. consider like social circumstances, yeah. you know. Um, and I think the way that it's really helped is I think that we had come to a point where we felt a little bit shaken because we didn't have many members of, uh, from racially marginalized groups and we were feeling like are we inclusive are we at our best is this a helpful and safe environment for people to come and to join and I think that's just a question that you can't answer yourself <laughs> it's you know it's an echo chamber mm. and that's why I was speaking to a friend in Coventry who recommended you and we sort of reached out and it was so fortunate that you were at a point where you were supporting West Yorkshire companies because it was a really beautiful synergy mm. that happened. But I think it has helped us. And I, I can't speak for every member because also we're a variety of ages. We're a variety of backgrounds of upbringings. So I think in different parts for different members, it will have answered that question and it will have also altered perceptions yeah I mean there'll be some people for whom you know they will have thought twice then and gone yeah. ah maybe I wouldn't approach those conversations the same way now mm. and for other members it's been the affirmation of like oh I I'm learning but also it's we're creating an environment with that is is welcoming it's not it's it's not an environment that is Anti, and I think we had so many questions, and me in particular. That's why um, you were so brilliant in the courses because I felt what we really needed as well. It's an industry in particular where people don't talk about mm. the questions that they have, yeah, be because they're afraid to ask or because they don't know how to ask. They don't have, uh, you know, as you talk about, and you in your courses the racial literacy in order to be able to ask and to take control of things they don't know mm. um, and I think it was so helpful to have somebody who we could just ask open questions to yeah not knowing the answers yeah and, and feel that that was okay that we yeah. had permission to ask but yeah. also we could learn from it and work out you know how much of that was the environment that we were creating or the way that we were approaching it and how much is just cyclical yeah and and, and I realize that it's, it's quite an unfair question because one of the things we do say is that you know people will make mistakes like you can't just learn this stuff and all of a sudden everything's perfect and that's so I'm not have you know I don't have that expectation but you know I think you know you said it really it's about having that 
awareness that oh you, you know instead of just blah for instance I'll give you an example and this wasn't a microaggression I was just it's just come to mind so I was speaking to my my sister who runs a um a, a hiking group for black women and they went to somewhere up north nice um, yeah somewhere up north I can't you, you might not think that when I say what I'm going to say but Hey, I know you're enjoying the podcast episode, but I just want to quickly come in and say, look, if you're an organization that needs anti-racism training for your organization because your staff are lacking in a racial literacy, they don't have the words, they get stuck when talking about racism, they're, they want to be able to deal with incidents, but they're not sure how to, then check out our Time to Talk About Race online CPD accredited course at strawberrywords.co.uk. Okay, we can train from 10 to 10,000 but get in touch today at admin at strawberrywords.co.uk now back to the episode anyway so they as so there were about 20 black women walking up I don't know a hill or something and they came across this man who just obviously was quite surprised to see a group of black women and he just didn't think obviously he didn't think about what he was saying he just goes oh I feel like I'm in Africa and so they were all startled. And once he, when he walked past everybody and he got to the end, he must have realised that, you know, what he said wasn't cool. And he goes, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cause offence. So, um, you know, it's it's yeah. things like that. It's, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure maybe he didn't mean to cause offence. Maybe he just yeah. felt like I've just never seen so many black people in my life. I'm really shocked. But, you know, it's knowing that that is a microaggression that's yeah. not cool that causes I mean it's quite rude but but do you know what I mean I think by having had a conversation beforehand about um racism microaggressions mm-hmm. you know if you're not wanting to offend people you may have more of an idea of the kind of thing that offends yeah, you know because maybe because maybe if he said that amongst his friends it would have been a ha ha he he but to say that and then that's still not okay but to mm. say that in front of this group of women was highly offensive anyway. So I, that just came to but mind. But so... do, do you know what? It's interesting because I think one of the things that we found most difficult as an agency is working out how we could be a safe environment and how we could be inclusive in, a, in an industry that is so painfully visual. And that's the difference is when you're working as a cooperative, as a group of people who care about each other and not just as a commercial enterprise, mm. it feels so not okay yeah. to have some of the kind of emphasis put on visuals that is there. Do you see what I mean? That like we, you know, I mean, you do still find with casting directors some kind of, um, it always makes me smirk because they'll have certain words that mean, mm. You know, like they'll say a woman needs to be maternal, a maternal okay. woman. That generally means larger, yeah. larger or large yeah. chapter. Yeah. But they yeah. won't want to say that, so they'll use a word and we'll all have to read into it. Yeah. But... Yeah, but, uh, Catherine, but my head, my head's going to my listen. Yeah, <laughs> since you said that, my head's going to. Well, what do they say if they want a black person? Will they just say black, or will is there some euphemism yeah, for that? So a lot of them will, but okay. also our industry is currently driven by need for diversity, which is brilliant and I mm. think is amazing. Mm. But I do have, um, I have a very good actor friend who's a black woman and she's incredible because she's also an aerialist and all sorts but I know through her experience as well as my own when we toured for a year she 
she has to refuse agents all the time because everybody wants her for the books, but they don't actually want her for her skills or her talent. Yeah, they yeah. just want her for the way she yeah. looks. Well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and that's, and, a, that's a total and microaggression. Kind of, yeah, and it's a cutthroat kind of... So I think what, what we wanted to do as a cooperative is we wanted to make ourselves the most inclusive and safe environment we could mm. within an industry where if somebody joins us, then unlike the majority of the rest of us, they will be exposed to that. And yeah. we will need to be able to support them yeah. because we can't block an industry that does that. Yeah. We can be aware of it, but we also need to be supportive because we're all about empowering each actor to manage themselves yeah. effectively yeah. to know their rights to kind yeah. of be okay. And I think that was, but I think that's the hardest thing because actually I would say in the acting industry, you are dealing with microaggressions, but they're not the ones that people think of. Mm, they, they, mm. they kind of sometimes mask themselves as positivity yeah and it isn't. but people aren't stupid people face microaggressions ethnic minorities face migrations on a daily daily basis mm -hmm. so they're quite you know astute when it comes to people finding ways of basically um ticking a box and I think, you know, you hit an important point because I think sometimes when people get really passionate about this work, um, they become overwhelmed by the enormity of it. Yes, there are in institutions which are institutionally racist and we're dealing with systemic racism. So I think you can only do what you can do within your organization and I think that's that's what's really important it's getting that bit right it's because this is the conversation we're constantly having with the organizations we work with okay we're you know we're creating the policies we're having the training you know we're making sure that our staff know what's what but when we're working with other clients or when we're working with the funders or when we're you know with whoever how do we deal with that and that's yeah. that is the tricky part but I think at the end of the day, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with human beings. And however you would take care, like you say, you know, DPM is a very caring organization. However, you know, the, however you will take care or the fact that you take care of other individuals, that same care, be, be albeit nuanced, will be applied to other people as well. So people are seen as, and I mean, ethnic minorities when I say that. So if people are seen as human first, it's okay if they're harmed if they're insulted if they're you know tokenized or whatever how can we deal with that within the organization how can we deal with that piece how can we deal with that hurt how can we protect them as much as possible so it's that you know yeah yeah definitely and I think one thing that you really helped us with and that I found massively beneficial is the kind of crafting of because again we we want to put that person or pe those people into control over how they're viewed as well mm. um and that's a massive thing but it's also a complex thing because when someone let's say for example is black mm. you know as we were talking about on previous occasions you know you can suddenly uh, be put up for senegalese parts or yeah. you know, congolese parts or because you, you know, know about all types of black people because exactly. you're black yeah it's and that's not the case ambiguous and that's not fair and it's not fair on the person so we were kind of thinking about how we can in the same way that we control our own images as kind of 
members of the cooperative how can we empower people who join us to control theirs yeah. and therefore when we put them up for jobs we feel confident they are going to be viewed as they want to be viewed and we created a document um where people can um select both the first of all their identity what they feel is their cultural identity mm. just for everyone's information because again in a co-op it's a massive group of people and you don't want to have to constantly explain what you feel is your cultural identity to everyone if they're mm. curious mm. so we all have that and we've all filled that out but then next to it is a list of ethnicities that you are happy to be seen right for. Right. And then you will get to write what those are. And again, mm. you know, it, it work, cuts both ways. You know, we have um, white Irish actors and it's like, OK, and are you happy to be seen for Eastern European? Are you happy to be seen for Scandinavian? Like what is and you also even get again, which is sort of a bit sad in the industry. Anyone with brown eyes will be put up for Spanish things if they're not right. careful or Mediterranean. And that's not OK either. But, you know, so we've created this document where everybody can choose. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking, everybody, I've got brown eyes. Would I be put up for that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Incredibly, yes. Okay. And it, that's the difficult thing. That's what I mean about a highly visual industry. That's, yeah. for me, that's not OK. Yeah. But it's yeah. the whole thing is fueled and driven almost without your permission or your thought so the minute you start to think about it you're like yeah like you said, yeah yeah it is and, and, but I think part what well you know you can't you don't have you can't have the answers to every situation that arises and you know part of the work is ensuring that that person knows what to expect or the you know ethnic minorities have an idea of what to expect so they're not shocked you know, so, you know, there are conversations around, OK, you know, when things have happened, how could we have pre better prepared this person or how could we have better prepared you? Not necessarily expecting them to have the answers, but just to have a conversation around that. Um, because I think being forewarned is being forearmed. When you have an idea of what to expect in the industry, you can better navigate that. But what often happens, unfortunately, is that people go into situations and they, you know, and again, they've got the pressures of having to pay the bills and, you know, wanting the work, but then are still having to deal with the microaggressions. At least if you have an idea of, okay, this is how things are. Maybe there's policies that the organization has where basically, you know, if a I don't know, cast an agent or whoever um, oversteps this mark, you know, we won't work with them, but also you have to keep the work coming in. So maybe there's conversations there, you know, there's lots of different ways to, to, to deal with this, but I'd, I'd say the most important thing is to make sure that people have an idea of what to expect, but that they're also, there's this kind of um, landing pad, if you like, which is the company for when things do go wrong, um, they're not just left to it. Yeah. And it's about having input as well. So we find that like this is why the co-op workload is perhaps more than people think, because in every area you have to learn. So uh, with contracts, you know, nobody there's suddenly there's nobody. You haven't got any lawyers. There's nobody who knows about contracts. So you just learn between you about contract law, about the things to look out for, about you know what your rights are in terms mm. of contract and what the general standard of pay is mm. and then you can help inform each other well you know this is lower than I would go for but also equity standard is this so you know you can make yeah. that choice, yeah. but you can empower people through the sharing of knowledge and I think this has just opened our eyes to the fact that 
um, yeah, the, the diversity thing, it's another layer of that. We mm. need to learn what is, you know, and we need the input of people like yourself, particularly when we lack diversity at the moment. We need the input of people to learn about, you know, what is, um, what microaggressions we might face, what kind of, how to um, navigate things and also to know what, because actually you said something really important when we first met about something that had happened to you as an actor. Mm. And that was really helpful again, because it's like, I can't predict what's going to happen to someone when they walk in a room, nobody can. But yeah. again, with input from people and with learning, yeah. we can then hand that information over to someone. Well, you know, if this happens in the room, that's not okay. Yeah, and if just for the listeners, just so they understand, I think yeah. what you're talking about is when I went for an audition and I went as a Jamaican storyteller, but when I got yeah. into the room, the director said, okay, can you do that in an African accent? Well, firstly, like, which one? But secondly, and yeah. actually most importantly, like, I'm yeah. not from that, co- well, yeah, originally, we could argue, mate. originally I was, but you know, I was actually born in Britain and my family are from Jamaica so huh um you know I I did the best I could and they accepted and actually got the job but you know that wasn't cool <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly that and again you know it's kind of like now I feel like could I could arm people even in a general way for like things that might happen in a room or ways you might be pushed I mean I've had it happen to me lots of times as an actor but in totally different spheres I once you know, what has got made to lie in an invisible bath while somebody, you know, it's, it's these crazy things. There's a very famous Saturday Night Live sketch about auditions because I think they're a very dangerous arena in which you're encouraged to say yes to everything mm, and mm. open to a kind of vulnerability that it can be really dangerous in the wrong hands. Yeah, and you're frightened to say no because you want the work or, you know, you know, you yeah. don't want to be blacklisted or whatever, you know. So it's, it, is, it's, it is tricky. And that's why I say it's... It's, it's about learning. It's about empowerment and learning. So, you know, mm. we do have actors now who've been offered jobs you know, and other members will say to them, that money isn't good. This is industry standard money. This is what they're expecting you to do. And this is what they're offering to pay. Are you sure? Because obviously you want to say yes, and I appreciate that, but I'm just giving you this information. And then later I've turned down the job. Yeah. But because you have to have a, you have to have time to let those things marry. Yeah. You have all the information that you can. I think. That's amazing. I would have loved to have been part of something like DPM when I was in that world, because I think having that support is is amazing. And I know that currently you are looking for people to join the organisation. Do we've got to go? And I can, you know, we can talk for hours, <laughs> but we've got to end this this interview quite soon. So to just speak about what it is you're looking for, and I know that, that particularly you're looking for. Well, you, you just say it. Go, 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 go for it. It's all yours. Oh, we would love to have some more diversity in the agency. Um, I mean, in general, our USPs are anybody living in the North who wants to be a performer, who is happy to try and manage their own workload and who acts and enjoys acting. Mm. Like, feel free to get in touch. We, yeah, we would love that. Um, yeah. Because, okay. because an agency is only as strong as its members and you know because people's life situations change and also because commercial agents can swoop in and when people you know hone their craft and are brilliant they get taken off us Mm. and that's life you know the career 
path that we choose works on momentum and we all understand that and we wish each other off well in the same way as we welcome each other mm. there's no hard feelings but so yeah, how- because of that we need to keep injecting new life new culture new blood into the agency yeah so how do people get in touch with you um, so you can you can check out and look we've had a new website I know I've had a look it's lovely we're on it <laughs> yes, that was designed by one of our very own members who is uh, an IT genius so yes and um, you can genius. go to <laughs> directpm.co.uk and you can check us out all the information on how to apply is there um, and I think we're at DPM Actors as well on Twitter if you want to check us out on there um, but yeah, just drop us an email. It get, there's a couple of us who, again, we all have extracurricular duties because that's how it works. Mm. So I'm a member of the New Apps team along with two other members. And we just view CVs. We watch showreels. If you don't have material, then you can invite us to a future show you've got coming up or something that you're involved in, paid or unpaid, mm. and we'll come and watch you. And um, yeah, and then if we feel like... Um, we have a gap and you'd fill it then we'll we'll invite you to interview fantastic so I'll make sure the contact information is on our website so if you're listening to this on Apple podcast or or wherever else we are uh, Spotify you can go on the strawberry words website so strawberrywords.co.uk go on to blogs uh, and podcasts and you'll see this episode where all the information is Catherine I want to thank you so much for your time thank you so much for your honesty Um, thank you for being genuinely uh, wanting to be part of the change it's that's so important Um, um, and I, you know, I wish you continued luck, well, not just luck, just um, <laughs> energy and, and passion to, because it takes a lot of energy to do this work. But um, yes, thank you so much. Oh, and thank you, honestly, genuinely. I've had such a lot of passion renewed from, from doing the work with you. And I know that a lot of members have, but also, um, yeah, I can't recommend the courses enough. Just chatting with you, your wisdom, you know, the brave model that you recommended, all of the other things and the podcasts that I listen to on the website. It's a really fantastic mine of information. And for anybody who wants to absorb that and to upskill themselves, I couldn't recommend it more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.